Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour. Our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien and today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga, philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in our world today. The Sanskrit word yoga means oneness, union, or unity. When we bring our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essential nature, when we're fully awake, that is yoga. When we are restored to our original luminous wholeness, that is yoga. When we know our true spiritual nature and live in harmony with it, that is yoga. Today's topic is the wisdom of the Yoga Sutra. Radiant living is your birthright. And we're beginning a new series now on spiritual practice. And um, we're joined today, honored to be joined by Pandit Rajmani Tigunayat uh, for a conversation about the wisdom found in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. Pandit uh, Rajmani Tigunayat is the spiritual head of the Himalayan Institute. And he's been lecturing and teaching worldwide for more than a quarter of a century. He's the author of 14 books, including his autobiography, Touched by Fire, and uh, a biography of his uh, Goroswami Rama of the Himalayas at, at the 11th hour. And the focus of our program today, we're going to be drawing from his latest work called The Secret of the Yoga Sutra, Samadhi Pada, the first chapter of uh, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. Um, Pandaji holds two doctorates, one in Sanskrit from the University of Allahabad in India and another in Oriental Studies from the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, his family tradition gave him access to a vast range of spiritual wisdom preserved in both the written and oral traditions. In 1976, Swami Rama ordained him into the 5,000-year-old lineage of the Himalayan masters. His website is himalayaninstitute.org. Welcome, Pandaji. I'm so happy to um, welcome you back to the Yoga Hour and delighted you can join us today. Thank you, Reverend. Thank you. Thank you. It is really a great honor and great, great pleasure to be once again uh, on this Unity Radio, uh, this is wonderful. I'm so delighted uh, for this, you know, with this program. Thank you. Thank you. And before we dive into Yoga Sutra, let's begin with a moment of practice, since that is really at the heart of it. So let's meditate for just a moment. Oh. Thank you. 
moment, let's consciously open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence. One reality that is called by many names. Let us recognize that reality as the source and the substance of all that is omnipresent, everywhere present, beyond, within, and through the worlds. So right where we are right now, know this divine reality is present as you, as me, as the voice you're hearing, as everyone, as everything around us, within us, between us. So let's use our breath the most basic, important tool that we have for spiritual practice. Let's use the breath right now to anchor our attention and our awareness in our essential nature. So feel your breath coming in as you breathe in through the nostrils. Feel the air striking the nostrils, hitting the back of the throat, the cool air. Filling the lungs and the abdomen. And then as you breathe out, feel the warm air moving out again. Just observe your breath in this way for a moment. And be aware of how easy it is to simply become centered and calm by using the breath. And as you breathe in, you can intend and feel and know that you are diving in to the infinite divine self, your higher self, your true self. And as you are breathing out, letting go of anything that restricts you from living in the full luminosity of your being. So breathe in and dive within. Breathe out and let go. Now, let us intend to harvest this peace within us that we have touched this morning or whenever you are listening to this yoga hour, to harvest that peace, to gather it up in our conscious awareness and to bring it with us wherever we go today. Let's imagine this peace as overflowing as a blessing for all beings everywhere. In our tradition of Kriya Yoga, we're aware that when Paramahansa Yogananda came to the United States and came to the West in 1920, um, his mission was to bring the teachings of Kriya Yoga. And his guru, uh, Sri Yukteswar, instructed him to teach from the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali. And, of course, that was excellent advice because the methodical approach um, with its emphasis on experimentation and individual experience, um, the Yoga Sutra has a special appeal, I think, for the American mind and the American spirit. Um, Pandaji, congratulations on the publication of your new book commentary on Yoga Sutra, uh, The Secret of the Yoga Sutra, um, Samadhi Pada, and I know you're traveling across the U.S. now sharing uh, about this this wonderful, powerful teaching that transforms uh, lives, really, by um, giving us the secret of the truth of our being and how we can discover that for ourselves. Um, And in your book, of course, you're focusing on Samadhi Pada, which you know, classically in this uh, yoga studies, we start with the mountaintop view. <laughs> we get the we get the whole <laughs> the whole view, and then you know we 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 drill down into practices. And so um, this one begins, you know, with one of the first powerful insights is about the nature of the mind 
And of course, anyone who starts to meditate, starts spiritual practice, um, usually says, oh, that's the greatest obstacle. You know, the mind is like a monkey and, you know, this is not new and it's not unique for people to have that discovery um, and to feel like the mind is the greatest obstacle, the greatest foe, a foe that we have. What I really appreciated in your commentary is that you are lifting up the mind and showing us the mind in a positive light as our precious and powerful resource. And that is so hopeful and so inspiring. Um, and so we, we learn about this, of course, in Samadhi Pada. And so let's just first backtrack about what Samadhi is and how that relates to this precious nature of the mind. So tell us about Samadhi and about mind. No, Reverend, Samadhi on one hand uh, sounds like great mystery and very mystical. The truth is that is the very essence of our own mind and soul, consciousness. That is where like, uh, uh, we are essentially uh, uh, a divine uh, child of, you know, the, uh, of that absolute divinity, the Lord of life. You know, and um, reaching there, being there is one of the easiest thing. Only thing is that once we stop treating our mind as our enemy and somehow embrace that aspect of our mind, which is so self-luminous, so discerning, so deciding, so vigilant, so powerful, then automatically we reach that core of our own being that state of stillness, that state of that inner experience of unity and oneness with every aspect of ourselves and every aspect of this creation, automatically we are in the very essence of the pure existence, the divinity that is inside us, the divinity that is outside us, that is Samadhi. And as you said, Quite often, people have formed a very bad, negative attitude toward this most precious, most rich resource that is in us, that is with us, the mind itself. And therefore, that is where all the problems begin. So we call, oh, uh, monkey mind, you know, uh, it is mind is disturbed, mind is distracted, I don't know what to do with mind. And people just go on blaming one's own very, very best friend. People do not realize that that in the form of this self-luminous, pure, vibrant, radiant mind, Lord the Almighty, the divine being himself has deposited in his own very essence in this human life. We are um, the child of the divinity. God created humans in his own very image. That means that there is you know, not only just so-called his image in terms of his shape or size or anything, but rather the very essence, the power that the Lord Almighty, the compassion and the love that Almighty represents, mm -hmm. that is there in us and that is there in the form of our own mind. Yeah. That once we come to realize that, then automatically everything becomes so real and so clear and so straightforward and thus Samadhi is reachable. Samadhi mm -hmm. is in us. Samadhi mm -hmm. is a state of mind where mm -hmm. our mind has become our own very best friend. This is so beautiful, Pandaji, and I think um, it's so appropriate in, in so many ways. You know, one is that you are, um, by guiding um, in this way with your insight and commentary, you're really um, encouraging us to practice the heart of yoga itself, which is turning towards the luminous self. You know, the heart of yoga is not saying, you know, I can't do this. I'm so caught up in my mind. <laughs> you know, the mind is such a distraction. <laughs> you know, that is not yoga. Um, yoga is turning anytime, you know, we turn toward the luminous self and we awaken and remember and understanding this samadhi or, you know, we could say super consciousness, uh, understanding that as the very ground of our being, you know, and that it is not some, uh, 
other place that we have to go uh, or achieve, it is really simply coming home uh, to our self. And you talk about how the mind is inherently powerful. So um, tell us more about that, you know, as we begin to embrace the mind, you know, not as a foe. We take our attention off of that and say, oh, mind is a divine friend. Um, how do you see the mind as inherently powerful? Uh, see, Reverend, the mind, if you look at the totality of our mind, you can see there are two aspects of it. One aspect is very, very luminous, very bright, very brilliant. That which guides us, guides our thought and speech and action. The mind that which really gives us intuitive understanding of our relationship, intuitive understanding of higher divinity, higher reality, which is inside us and outside us. Then there is another uh, uh, aspect of our mind, the mind which is extremely opinionated, mind which is uh, uh, you know influenced by superstition and dogma and customs and others' opinions, mind that which has uh, really uh, uh, imprisoned itself in its own conditionings. And it is that mind which is uh, quite often, you know, it's either distract, distracted or disturbed or agitated or confused. And sometimes it's really dull and dense and stupefied. You know, it is that mind occasionally becomes one pointed and very, very rarely it becomes perfectly still and inwardly oriented. So it is the uh, only just a fraction of our mind. That is constantly wandering here and there, and sometimes you know gives uh, brings us um, brings with it a pleasant experience for us, and sometimes unpleasant experience of us. And sometimes mind is disturbed, and sometimes mind is one pointed. That is a uh, that aspect of mind which is constantly associating itself with its acquired tendencies, acquired opinions, acquired tastes and interests acquired sense of likes and dislike. It is that mind we have to be careful of. It is that mind we need to discipline, we need to find a uh, a way to guide it. But other aspect of mind is very lovely, very illuminating, very enlightening. And once somehow we get to know that these two aspects of mind and how these two aspects of mind really interact with each other, then we figure out a system whereby we catch hold of the self-luminous, joyful mind, which by its very intrinsic nature is constantly you know, uh, trying to explore our own grandeur, our own richness, our own inner infinite uh, uh, peace and happiness. Then uh, suddenly we fall in love with mind and our all, entire list of complaints just vanishes. And mm-hmm. that's what yoga is all about. No, mm, and as yeah. we keep walking on the path of yoga, we reach there. And you know, we and, have just a little bit of time left in this segment, but I, I do want to say that, um, you know, what we find in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra is this um, manual, really a step-by-step guide to um, how to purify the mind. You know, you you mentioned yeah. this mind can be stupefied, it could be clouded and confused. Um, but we we also find in the Yoga Sutra this way. Um, uh, a methodology for clearing up uh, karmic impressions. And um, so let's just, um, if you want to comment just briefly on that, then we'll come back to it after the break. See, um, um, what happens when we are under the influence of this other aspect of mind, which I was telling, that which is either confused, distracted, disturbed, agitated, and when we perform our actions, or we indulge ourselves or engage ourselves in our thought, speech, and action under the influence of that aspect of our mind, then we create karmic impressions in our mind. And what it means is exactly the every action we perform, it creates an impression on our mind, in our brain, you know. And uh, as we repeat such actions, those uh, impressions keep getting stronger and uh, groups keep getting deeper and deeper. And at some point, those subtle impressions 
that are stored in our mind, they begin to, you know, influence our current thought, speech, and action, and then it becomes part of our habit, and driven by our habit, we are constantly engaging ourselves in the same very action, and we have almost no discrimination left to decide and discern whether the kind of action verbal, physical, mental, we are engaged in is healthy for us or not healthy for us. And mm -hmm. that is what at some point becomes ground for our so-called karmic consequences. It is mm -hmm. very simple in nutshell and hopefully I will come back to again on this particular uh, subject after the, you know, uh, you know, the break. Yes, and actually when we come back in just a moment, we're going to be talking about spiritual practice, which gives us the key to um, how we begin to um, cultivate freedom from karmic impressions. Um, so as Paramahansa Yogananda said, it is possible for us to live from the promptings of the soul rather than from the reactive patterns in our mind. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with our special guest today, Pandit Rajmani Tigunayat. His website is himalayaninstitute.org. And when we come back from the break, we'll be right on spiritual practice. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. Examine what it means to be sacred activists in service of compassion and justice. We may find ourselves asking, how do we become a sacred activist? Institute for Sacred Activism founder Andrew Harvey says, follow your heartbreak. His advice echoes Gandhi, who once said, whenever you are in doubt, apply the following test. Recall the face of the poorest and the weakest person whom you may have seen, and ask yourself if the step you contemplate is going to be of any use to them. Will they gain anything by it? Will it restore them to a control over their own life and destiny? So, whenever in doubt about the direction of your life, just ask yourself, what breaks my heart? Whose suffering is simply too much to bear? And then commit your life to alleviate it. Don't turn your face away from the pain and injustice that is so prevalent in our world. Courageously bear witness to it. And in prayer, dedicate your life to healing it. Gain more spiritual insight. Listen to Radical Spirituality and Sacred Activism with Adam Bucko, Mondays at 4 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Pandit Rajmani Tigunayat. 
He's the spiritual head of the Himalayan Institute and author of the new commentary on uh, Samadhipada on Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. His book is called The Secret of the Yoga Sutra. And I just want to read um, as we begin this section from his introduction, very beautiful passage that, that gives you the feeling um, of how he is approaching this commentary in such a hopeful and inspiring way. Patanjali's Yoga Sutra is firmly rooted in the insight and experience of the sages. A human being is an island of excellence. A human being is an island of excellence. We are born to excel. We are surrounded from every direction and in every respect by the intrinsic power and creativity of the divine. Our core is pure consciousness. Luminosity is our essential nature. Our most distinctive attribute is our ability to know our own essence, our own intrinsic divinity. Life is a priceless gift, for life endows us with everything we need to experience our grandeur. Discovering the intrinsic divinity at our core is the highest achievement. Dying without experiencing it is the greatest loss. Now, you know, in our tradition of Kriya Yoga, there's this deep understanding about this purpose of life to realize the truth of our being. And um, we approach it um, knowing that this practice is not trying to be spiritual. It's not trying to um, attain, but actually it is to arrange conditions to realize that which is already so, our inherent spiritual nature, as you have so beautifully described in the opening uh, to your book. Um, and yet, practice is necessary. You know, when we were in the first uh, segment, we were you were talking about the karmic impressions, uh, how they can cloud the mind. And so there are elements of practice that help us um, purify the mind to experience that which is already so. And, um, you know, I often point students to Sutra 112 <laughs> that, that gives us, okay, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is the summary. Uh, and, and of course it's so hopeful because it's, it's really two practices that, that um, are kind of like umbrella practices that contain uh, a wealth of wisdom. But, but to even say this is how you do it, of course, tells us it can be done. Um, yeah. and, and so um, you, you write about Sutra 112 saying, you know, is how to fully engage with the task at hand and free ourselves from disturbing, stupefying, and distracting mental tendencies. And this key, of course, that we find in Sutra 112 is abhyasa practice and barag or non-attachment. So, uh, Pandaji, will you talk to us a little bit about these uh, two core terms that we find in Yoga Sutra, Abhyasa and Vairagya? Uh, abhyasa is translated as the practice, but it is a very, very, very unique and very meaningful, profound term. Abhyasa, the practice means that you uh, acquire a condition, mental condition of being peaceful, being still, and you allow that peaceful flow of your mind, you know, uh, uh, become inward. And the the techniques which help us acquire a clear, calm, tranquil, peaceful mind, and the techniques which help us turn our that peaceful, tranquil mind inward, that is called practice, you know, and uh, that is the core of yoga. And uh, once we start so-called, once we engage ourselves in this so-called practice of uh, recognizing the forces of our mind and calming them, calming the mind and turning the mind inward, then we realize that there are many currents and cross-currents which are influencing our practice, practice of meditation, practice of yogic discipline. And that is when many, many subsets of uh, uh, complementary, subsets of supportive disciplines and practices come in play. One of the most important thing is that, again, uh, supporting mind, nurturing mind, 
with a very distinct uh, mental discipline of non-attachment. That is the second portion of this sutra called Vairagya. And that is creating again a mindset of letting go and making sure that we free our mind from the binding forces of our uh, ego, attachment, likes, dislikes, fear, anger, or any of the mental tendencies and habit patterns which distract us, which throw mm-hmm. us off. Mm-hmm. And this way, the, there is a very, very unique way of this bringing this phenomena, bringing this practice of non-attachment, uh, dispassion into our daily life. It's not that, oh, well, I don't care for anything anymore and therefore it's done. No, it's much more refined and it's much more uh, proactive than just simply letting go. Letting go is very, very first step which gives us a very fundamental basic level of freedom so that that mind can be engaged in doing something more uh, actively. So the practice means focusing our mind actively on one given object and vairagya means, non-attachment means allowing our mind to be detached, free from all those unwanted focal points where mind is running from one object to another object and constantly shifting from one state to the another state such as from the state of disturbance, to the state of distraction, to the state of stupefaction, to the state of agitation, to the state of, you know, confusion. So just freeing mind from such conditions mm-hmm. and, and then you know, bringing the mind to one focal point, that's called the practice described in the Sutra 112. And yeah, and you know, it, you've given us such a beautiful description of how those practices work and you know I often think of abhyasa this um, steady practice of of really super conscious awareness at, at the heart of it is is a way that we enhance um, this natural uh, inward flowing of our intent of our attention and our awareness you know coming to consciously um, connect with that inward flow a conscious awareness within and that varagya is is a really curbing curbing the tendency you know to have that outward flow you know to be reactive uh to either things outside of us or the patterns you know in our own mind so um both of them of course enhance this uh being able to be anchored in the awareness of our uh, essential luminous nature and um, in your book you, you talk about of course the various aspects of each and let's just spend a moment on abhyasa because um, there's some qualities um, about that practice that that really strengthen it you know um, you know it is said that the right practice of uh, meditation is steady practice right <laughs> you know not meditating right. <laughs> you know for three hours you know you go to a retreat and you're so um inspired and you come home you meditate for three hours and then the next day you don't meditate at all so that would not yeah. be that would not be abhyasa so um talk to us about the the qualities of abhyasa that will support our success with it uh, see the quality of abhyasa depends on two things number one now, finding the right kind of object to focus our mind. And second, uh, the actual technique of focusing our mind on that right kind of object. So let me take you to some example. Um, there was once upon a time, I remember, uh, one person was meditating on one of the Indian actresses of uh, Bollywood you know, from Mumbai. And uh, he thought that, you know, because he loved that, you know, actress, you know, uh, uh, Hema Malini. And uh, it's, uh, uh, and he asked me this question that um, um, uh, I have been meditating for a long time. I said, uh, uh, meditating on what? He said, uh, isn't that uh, anything you like and anything which is attractive, anything which is delightful, <laughs> you just focus your mind. I said, it really doesn't work that way. Uh, can you tell me exactly uh, what you are meditating on? So he gave me the picture of that uh, uh, actress. <laughs> so I said, uh, do you know who this person is? He said, no, and I don't need to. She looks very beautiful. I said, well, and um, uh, quality of object. Uh, as you start meditating, 
then the quality of the object of your meditation begins to just um, influence the quality of your mind. So that is very, very important, very important that you select. Like there is something great about, let's say, the cross, you know, for last 2,000 years, how, no matter how little we know about the uh, cross, but still for last 2,000 years, thousands of Christians Thousands of saints from Christian tradition have been meditating on it. No? And uh, let's say particular figure of Jesus Christ or Krishna or let's say mantra or some uh, very unique sacred sound. So thousands of people for thousands of years have been meditating on it. So it has gathered its own sanctity. It has gathered its own power and the power is very much awakened. So when we meditate on such objects, then those, the intrinsic power, intrinsic beauty, intrinsic joy of those objects begin to, you know, transform our mind. So that is one thing. Second thing is, how do we uh, actually focus our mind? As you were telling right in the very beginning of the introduction of the Yoga Sutra, that uh, one of the greatest things the nature has given us is our own breath. You know, and um, uh, as you may have, uh, as you, uh, uh, you as you are already aware of that in the uh, system of Kriya Yoga, which was introduced uh, uh, more than almost like 90 years ago, or maybe even more by the uh, Paramhansa Yogananda, how much emphasis is placed on uh, understanding or let's say cultivating sensitivity to the flow of our breath, and this is what here in this particular Sutra 112. Patanjali is telling that you pay attention to the process of meditation and before you do that, you learn to unite your mind with your own breath and let the breath provide guidance and nourishment to your mind and let the mind provide guidance and nourishment to your breath and they become one and two together automatically create an, inter create an internal condition where mind has something truly substantial to focus on and in the process your, pro uh, your whole idea of letting go, your whole idea of disconnecting yourself from unwanted, undesirable, unpleasant thought processes automatically become accomplished. So there is a very, very uh, what you call systematic method to practice and uh, um, the discipline of meditation and also embrace the principle of non-attachment vairagya and um, so this is what is actually this particular sutra is telling us that be careful what is the object of your meditation and concentration and what is the exact methodology that you are using to uh, you know lead your mind inward no Yes, and so we get this um, beautiful step-by-step uh, -step and, you know, as you say, you know, very basic, you know, um, methodology that we can use, being aware of the breath and, of course, the breath connecting to prana, which is, you know, we could do a whole other program <laughs> on that. <laughs> but I, I want to skip, I want to skip forward now because, it, you know, one of the things that I have found so heartening about um, potential Yoga Sutra is that there are, you know, it's like there's so many um, uh, potentials, you know, for how we approach this discipline. And uh, so we have, you know, Sutra 112 that gives us this, you know, step-by-step -step and how to have a steady practice, how to arrange conditions that are conducive, um, how to bring reverence to our practice. And then we come to Sutra 123, which offers us this wisdom of Ishwara Pranidhan, surrender to God, um, is a way uh, of samadhi. And you know, understanding that this practice alone can be a, a quick way. But of course, one has to understand what that really is and how to do it. And I loved in your book that you, that you wrote, surrender to God is not an option, 
but an inescapable <laughs> reality. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. You know, it, it, it says so much about ultimately that is, that is what occurs, you know, as we drop, you know, our identification with the ego, that that is surrender coming in to know the truth of our being. And, uh, and then you, you also tell us, um, you know, you have written when we have acquired true knowledge, there's no need to make either an effort to love God or a plan to surrender. In a sense, it, <laughs> it comes, it That's comes nice. by itself, you know, when we recognize the truth of what is. But of course, um, there's, um, that period of time before, before that uh, awakening occurs when people are wondering, how do I knock at the door of surrender? <laughs> so please <laughs> t- tell us uh, how that can, can be incorporated for someone. You know, Reverend, just let's take an example of the surrender business. There is a fetus growing in mom, in mother's womb, you know. And fetus, do you give uh, choices to the fetus that, okay, you can decide, you can choose to uh, love the uh, mother or you decide not to love your mother. You decide whether you want to, uh, you know, uh, 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 assimilate the calcium and uh, other nutrients coming from mother's womb, or you have choice not to assimilate. How much, uh, you know, so-called is uh, option is given to a baby when baby is growing? And is it baby's choice that um, uh, he should continue growing, or is it uh, something nature has designed this whole phenomena that there is umbilical cord, and all the nutrients are coming from the mother's womb, and there is um, uh, so many, so many powerful antibodies are also being created so that the, um, um, the baby is not uh, affected by any of the unwanted uh, you know, ingredients and conditions that are in mother's uh, body. In fact, most of our life is not an, uh, and most of the experiences in our life is not an, an option. It is there. So is the case with so-called this higher divinity, the consciousness, absolute reality, you may call it, or whatever other term you give. So the, uh, as Patanjali is telling, that uh, as long as you do not have any idea uh, about inner dimension of life, as long as you do not have any idea that there is a reality that existed before you were conceived, before you were born, it's all right, then you can go ahead and debate whether or not God exists and whether there is a higher reality that we go to or we enter into after we die and whether or not there is a, a, a force uh, which transcends our all limitations and guides us and preserves and provides all the protection and everything that we need. It's just a matter of of uh, 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 dispute, discussion, etc., only as long as we do not pay attention that what is that force residing in our heart that continuously makes sure that heart continues to pump the blood? What is that force which makes sure that this uh, unique muscle that is our lungs, it continues, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, expanding and contracting and thereby, you know, continue absorbing, car- car- you know, oxygen and continue disposing of carbon dioxide there is a very unique intelligence in us and once we pay attention to that intelligence and it's completely unconditional um, uh, love for uh, us to live here and be here then automatically our whole perception and our whole understanding changes then the uh, to call uh, love for God surrender to God or plan for um, uh, surrender, surrendering to God, everything becomes very spontaneous, mm-hmm. and definitely that is one one of the greatest gift Patanjali has given us by explaining the existence of this higher divinity in a such a non-sectarian manner, where we begin to really touch and feel and embrace the divinity, uh, the divinity which existed before the birth of Hinduism, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and even before this whole planet was created, even before this entire universe was created, there is a divinity, there is higher consciousness, there is higher reality, and Patanjali takes us right 
care. And therefore, there is a God which is not God very, very, you know, special only to the humans. There is not just God which is only for the buffaloes and insects and bugs, but rather a all-pervading absolute reality that pervades and permeates every nook and cranny of the entire universe past, present and future and all of us so totally connected to that reality and guided by that reality, nurtured by that reality. Once we come to feel the presence of that reality, the entire idea of, let us see um, whether uh, uh, God exists or does not exist, that whole question completely vanishes and we find ourselves full of gratitude to that divinity which continues to give us everything and in return does not seek anything from anyone you know at all then that is when automatically we find ourselves fully you know surrendered to that divinity and our life both inside us and outside us the spiritual yes. life and the worldly life everything becomes yes. just a wonderful gift it's a beautiful description, Panditji. Thank you so much. And when we come back from the break, we'll talk about um, how to cooperate with this divine power and grace that pervades our life. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with our special guest today, Pandit Rajmani Tigunayat. Our website is HimalayanInstitute.org. And we'll be right back with you. Did you know that the Buddha gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that Jesus gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that both these masters taught exactly the same thing? And guess what? They did not teach the law of attraction. They taught the great paradox of prosperity. You can have anything you want. Why, you can have things you don't even know you want, but not by wanting them. Instead, put your attention on the vibrant presence of the divine within. Do that and your life will change. It has to. That is the natural order. Want to crack the code on the great paradox? Get Janet Connors' The Lotus and the Lily. Available everywhere great books are sold. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien and my guest today is Pandit Rajmani Tigunayat, author of the new commentary on Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. His book is called The Secret of the Yoga Sutra and it is focused on Samadhi Pada. So, of course, we're going to anticipate, Panditji, three three other books coming <laughs> after this one. Yeah. In fact, I'm in the middle of writing, you know. Yeah, oh, it's uh, sure. almost ready. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> wonderful. Um, so, in, in the last uh, segment, you know, we were talking about um, at the heart of surrender, you know, is this realization, of course, that we are not separate from that reality, which really is our life and is this power that, um, you know, this intelligent power in the universe that we can actually learn 
to cooperate with. And I, I wanted to start off this segment as we can talk about how, what the practices of study help us do that. But your um, writing uh, from your book, you ha- have written, according to Vyasa, the most powerful strand of realization leading us to spontaneously surrender to God is the realization that she is constantly meditating on us. That's so beautiful. You know, you can just feel that, that shift that can come, you know, instead of thinking, oh, I am meditating on something, you know, separate and far apart you know, up in the sky, but no, we are meditating in that reality, which is uh, conscious and uh, meditating in a sense on us. It's so beautiful. Then you continue. She has joyfully taken us into her fold. Her concern for our well-being is infinitely more refined and focused than our concern for ourselves. By meditating on us, she has endowed our mind with the ability to meditate on her. The joy of her meditation on us makes our mind turn inward. Her intrinsic beauty, which she has transmitted to us, frees us from the charms and temptations of the world. Fullness is her essential nature, yet she seeks her ever-growing fullness in us. She is satisfied only upon seeing that we have acquired her grandeur. And uh, this is this is so beautiful. And so... Um, I think it's a good, uh, you know, entry into why study of these uh, scriptures like Yoga Sutra is so helpful to us. Um, so say a little bit about this approach to studying scripture as a way to help us connect to the truth of our being. Uh, this, these kinds of texts such as Yoga Sutra, it's really, it's a very wonderful tool to study ourselves and study our relationship both with the divine within us and the beautiful world outside us. So, for example, let's see, the, as you just read from the book itself, that uh, the divinity is constantly meditating on us. Once we come to realize this fact, automatically we fall in love with the divinity, which constantly so concerns in such a loving and compassionate manner, is constantly thinking of us, guiding us. See here, by using this book, let me give you an example how we can begin to see ourselves in such a clear way and we can begin to see our relationship with this higher divinity. The Reverend, just imagine... We eat food. Food goes in our tummy. As soon as it passes through our throat, we have no idea what is happening with that food. And that food is digested, that food is assimilated, and the waste matter is excreted, you know, removed. And so much is going in our going on in our tummy. There is a wonderful intelligent force residing right in our body, making sure that what we eat, what we drink, what we breathe, everything is well taken care of and all the nutrients are well assimilated. That is a very intelligent force inside us. We take it for granted. We think it is just a so-called uh, some uh, microbiota sitting in our body and they just, you know, the, you know, and all these different kinds of bacteria, they just, you know, uh, eat, devour and transport. That is okay. That's, that's what uh, evidence-based science tells us. But what about the intelligence? When something bad enters our mouth, we feel, you know, throwing it up. Or let's say we just pass it immediately in the form of, you know, uh, dysentery or whatever. Or let's say there is something uh, uh, not so desirable happening in our life. And there comes, you know, this great intelligent force making sure that all the dopamine, all the serotonin, they are well, well manufactured and produced supply to all of our entire limbs and organs and making sure that our mood remains completely you know, healthy and strong. So that intelligence is constantly there inside us and we do not recognize that. We think that it is just all physical, chemical phenomena and once we, go, once we begin to contemplate that what is going on here and how much we really care for it, how much we really work for it, 
are we praying that uh, oh lord please god almighty give me um, enough intelligence so that my limbs my organs keep producing enough um, you know pancreatic juice and enough bile oh god please help me so that my central nervous system and our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system they work in complete coordination oh lord no please remove all the fears by producing some of the serotonin and some of the dopamine you know none of those things we do not do any of that thing and at all that is so well taken care of that once we come to know that subtle force which accompanies us from the day of our conception and all the way to the moment when we depart from this body then we automatically fall in love and once and that is called self study and these books such as yoga sutra for example these books are like a, a living guide living you know teacher you know and that is how uh, the, yes. self, the study of his scriptures helps us so much yes thank you panditji and thank you so much for writing this commentary and um for making the tour that you're making across the US introducing um people to this work and so if you want to find out more about panditji's um book about himalayan institute or about his current tour um teaching from this new commentary on yoga sutra i encourage you to visit his website himalayaninstitute.org Pandachi will be at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California on Friday, September 12th, 2014 at 6:30 p.m. Pacific Time for a lecture and a book signing. You can register um, for that program at csecenter.org. Also, want to let you know that there's an archived program here at Unity FM uh, to another talk with Pandachi on yoga, ecology and the divine feminine. And join us on the yoga hour next week for yoga therapy, yoga as a powerful medicine for the body, mind and spirit with guest Dr. Tim McCall. For information about CSE, please do visit csecenter.org and remember to subscribe to the yoga hour uh, at iTunes. Remember now, of course, to let your radiant inner light shine into the world and share that luminosity that peace and joy with all that you meet thank you so much pandaji for being on yoga hour i'm looking forward to hosting you at the center in september thank you thank you thank you reverend and thank you all the viewers may god bless all thank you and thank you jeff in the sound room appreciate it bye now Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Spirituality into your own hands? Bucking corporate religion in favor of finding your own path? Do you cross the boundary between religion and science or between religions themselves? Do you like a dose of humor with your truth seeking? If you answered yes, you're what we call a holy rascal. Join Rabbi Rami Shapiro for How to Be a Holy Rascal Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Central. Rami and his guests will engage in lively, humorous discussions about what it means to be a spiritual human being in the 21st century. How to Be a Holy Rascal Wednesdays at 11 a.m. only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
in quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Is the world we live in making you ill? Fast food, junk food, feeling overwhelmed, not enough time? People are stressed, anxious, overweight, depressed, and have numerous health issues that are being treated with pills. There really is a way to get back to good health without the use of medication, and it's not rocket science or hard work. Primary Brain Repair is a simple, natural method developed by Dr. Suka that can give you relief from your symptoms and help prevent long-term health problems. You can have more energy and a release from pain and suffering, along with a new joyful sense of self, increasing your physical, emotional, and spiritual health. It's called Wellness Simplified. Join Dr. Suka on Fridays at 3 p.m. Central Time and learn more about her healing method. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 